Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you along for the ride. If you are looking for Mets baseball, it is currently airing on ESPN Radio AM 1200. You can listen to your Mets there. You can listen to me here. Listen to us on the ESPN app, perhaps on your Alexa. Do you have Alexa? Do you have the smart speaker? Well, you can enable that to listen to ESPN Syracuse. Please do that. ESPN Syracuse is now on your smart speaker. Just search ESPN Syracuse on your Alexa app. Click enable on the ESPN Syracuse skill because we got skills. And you can uh, tell Alexa to fire up this radio program in the afternoon. Alexa, play ESPN Syracuse. Uh, also, from the promotions department, want to tell you that you can join Brent Axe. Hey, that's me. As he does his show live, Armory Square tomorrow, 4 to 6. There is a big party happening, and it's the 44-block party, a pep rally for the Syracuse-Florida State game. There's going to be live music from Uprooted, which features Michael Glabicki of Rusted Root, awesome 90s band. Our very own Daniel Baldwin and Seth Everett will be socializing with fans. They'll be on the stage getting the crowd riled up. Otto, the Syracuse marching band. There's going to be all kinds of food and drink specials and prizes and live broadcasts and all sorts of fun. And we're there 4 to 6, but this whole thing goes down. From 4 to 10 tomorrow, it's taking place right in Armory Square, right in Shot Clock Park, right by the most, of course, just down the street from Galaxy Communications Headquarters, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, come on down, see us tomorrow, and be a part of the big 44 block party as we get ready for Syracuse and Florida State. Here's how you get in touch with the show. Let's hear those hot takes, baby. 437. That's hot. 7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We have a lot to get into on this program today. We have two guests that will join us on this program today. Julian Wiggum in studio talking SU football. Usually we talk to Julian on Wednesdays, but uh, we were uh, bumped for Mets baseball yesterday. Plus, it was my birthday, man. The Axe man a day off on his 40th birthday, which, by the way, thank you for all the awesome birthday messages. Really appreciate that. Got a lot of messages from listeners in various forms of communication. Saw a few of you yesterday and wish me a happy birthday. Really appreciate that. 40. Ooh, mama. Ooh, mama. I feel like uh, that scene from Back to the Future 2. I'm old. 
old, but I'm really not. I'm young at heart. 40 is the new 30 or something like that. Uh, so thank you for that, by the way. I had a terrific birthday. So we weren't here, so we said, you know what? I need my Julian Wiggum fix. He will be in studio with us breaking down Syracuse and Florida State. It's Thursday. And every Thursday, you know who else we hear from? Thanks, Brent. That's right. The head coach, Dino Babers, presented by Empower Federal Credit Union. We will do both of those things in the 5 o'clock hour. Hear from Julian and Dino Babers. The SU hoop schedule has been rounded out. The ACC slate is out. Some very interesting stretch runs for the Orange when they play Duke. A Louisville-Duke-North Carolina run. A big Monday matchup against Virginia to end the season. So we knew kind of the basic framework of the SU hoop schedule, but the ACC finally uh, noted some dates and times and kind of laid things out. So we will look at the SU hoop schedule coming up a little bit later on this hour. we got some hot takes to come. Congratulations to Brianna Stewart and the Seattle Storm winning the WNBA championship as Stewie continues to build a legacy that is one of the best of any athlete to ever walk out of Central New York in any sport. Certainly women's basketball, but in any sport. Plus, David Wright is going to make a return to the Mets. But for how long? We'll have that in hot takes coming up. But we start with the continuing discussions on Syracuse and Florida State. And listen, we'll we'll go over this on the Friday football show tomorrow. We're, we'll be at the block party, but we'll do our normal fi- Friday football show. We'll do the NFL Blitz. We'll do the pick six. We'll see what's on the line tomorrow for survivor pick payoff. Your suggestions are welcome for that, by the way. What I have to do if my survivor pick does not come in. Last week it was eat a hot dog with ketchup, which if you know me, knows violates every principle of my being. But I did it. I did it live here on the radio. If you can think of something that I uh, need to do for survivor pick payoff this week, I uh, would appreciate your suggestions at Brent Dax Media or on the text line at 288-0644. So we will break down the game a lot. We'll have some guests tomorrow, I would imagine, at the pep rally. We'll see who's around, and we could talk to them. I, I saw some former players are already back in town. There's going to be some big names from the 1998 Syracuse football team that are going to be in town this weekend as they celebrate the legacy of that team. They celebrate the legacy of, you know, the Donovan McNabb era, the 96 to 98 team, Rob Conrad and McNabb and that great run that Syracuse had in the late nineties. Can't believe yesterday actually was 20 years to the day that they beat Michigan in the big house on my 20th birthday. I remember that like it was yesterday. It was the week of the Labor Day storm. Go into Michigan, biggest crowd in the history of college football, which I believe has since been eclipsed, but at the time, it was the biggest crowd in the history of college football, and they manhandled Michigan. Tom Brady, and Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady quite yet, but Tom Brady and Michigan. Remember Tom Brady was going back and forth with Drew Henson? A whole different topic for a whole different day, but the final score of that game was 38-28, to but Michigan put up some garbage time points. Syracuse dominated that game. Dwight Freeney getting to Brady. McNabb had a huge game. Remember the touch, Was it a touchdown run when his shoe came off? I believe it was. But there was McNabb. I mean, they started that season with Tennessee and Michigan. And the only reason they lost to Tennessee is they got boned on a, on a phantom pass interference call in that game. So that just goes to show you, here we are in 2018. And a lot of things have changed in terms of interest in the program having it be in a foregone conclusion that 46, 47,000 people would show up for a football game, love this nature, 
Florida State, which is now a conference game, a vulnerable Florida State team, a Syracuse team that could really use this to catapult itself forward. Now, the beauty of this game, and I've I've been saying this since last week. I've been saying this. I'm going on my ninth day because as Syracuse was getting ready for Wagner last week, what did I keep telling you guys? I pulled the Belichick. I'm on to Florida State. I didn't give a rip about the Wagner game. And that turned out to be the right take in the sense of go out there, get some reps, get some players on the field that need to be there, build up some confidence, don't get any major injuries, and they accomplished all of that. As much as coaches take things one game at a time, there was certainly an eye on this game here today, this week. And we'll talk to Dino about it later in the show, but listen. He didn't give me what was in the game plan, but you can certainly expect that there will be new wrinkles that we haven't seen this year. There will be plays called. There will be an aggressive approach. There will be things that you didn't even see in the Western Michigan game. One thing we haven't really honed in on, and others certainly have, As confident as I am that Syracuse will win this game, I think they can, they will, they should, in any other description. Beat Florida State. My official prediction came out on Syracuse.com today. I think the score there was 40-35. to I believe I said it was 45-40 the other night on Orange Nation. I believe the score was another one on a different show I was on this week. Point being, I'm picking Syracuse to win. And I have been because I think there is a a collision here of a beatable Florida State team. I think Syracuse matches up well in a lot of ways, but there are certainly considerable weaknesses they're going to have to overcome. Well, here's a strength they're going to have to overcome, and that is Florida State's defensive line. Florida State has, now, have they been dominating this year the way they should? No. You had a quarterback for Samford a week ago, who frankly was the better quarterback on the field than DeAndre Francois, but you had a quarterback last week. Dropped 475 yards on this Florida State defense. And I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, boy, if this guy can do this, and Eric Dungy last year managed to have a game where he threw for 278 yards, nearly rushed for 100 yards, and was a instrumental reason in Syracuse almost pulling off what I don't even think you could call an upset last year either because we knew Florida State was down. Jimbo Fisher had a foot out the door. Francois was hurt. And other players were hurt. You just kind of knew, like, all right, this is not mighty top 10 Bobby Bowden, that darn war chant, oh, intimidating you, Florida State, right? This is not the Deion Sanders Florida State. This is not the even Jameis Winston Florida State of a few years ago. They're down. They're in transition, and that's still the case as they come into the Dome this weekend. They still got a really good defensive line. It is not what Clemson's defensive line is, but it's pretty darn good. And there's still some speed in other parts of that defense, and this is still going to be, in my mind, a game that if Syracuse is going to win, they need a typical big game out of Eric Dungy. They need to pull a couple surprises out of their back pocket. They need to continue their excellent play on special teams because they ha- it's only two games and one of them is Wagner, but field position's been great for Syracuse. Antoine Cordy's had some great runs on kick returns. They had a punt block for a touchdown, 
a week ago where a freshman and Trill Williams is getting in there and blocking the punt, and Sean Riley's Johnny on the spot and recovering it. Andre Schmidt has been terrific so far. This is Florida State. Their speed's a little different, and they can get after it a little bit more than Western Michigan or Wagner can, but he's built up some confidence. This is ultimately going to come down to making some plays on that defense. If this Florida State defensive line can neutralize Dungy running the football, and they have the speed to do it, then they're going to make Eric Eric Dungy throw the football. They're going to make him stand in that pocket and make some tough throws. This has been kind of the hidden secret of the first couple games of the season. Now, last week, Syracuse had five different receivers catch a ball for a touchdown. That's significant because you saw, and Dino and I will discuss it coming up in our weekly chat with the coach coming up later in the show, but you saw Eric Dungy stay in the game a little bit later than people would think. One of the reasons cited by Dino was to develop some chemistry with these receivers, which he needs to do. This just in, Syracuse doesn't have a true number one wide receiver. There's a couple candidates that have said, maybe it's me, but we haven't really established that yet. We haven't really said, this team's Steve Ishmael is this guy. This team's Amba Etatawu is this guy. I think it's Custis. It may be Custis, but we haven't rubber stamped that yet. Devin Butler looked a little better last week. But still, a pass thrown his way. And let's be honest, the kid for Wagner made a great play on the ball. But a pass that went his way in the end zone, intercepted, another key drop. He has not shed the label that he's going to drop passes in big spots. So what I'm wondering is if Florida State neutralizes Eric, you can't completely shut down Eric Dungy running the football. No one does that. Even the best teams, even Clem didn't do that last year. But if they can't slow him down to the point where frustration builds and some of these called plays are not working. This is kind of the dirty little secret about Syracuse football. You make Dungy sit in the pocket and throw the ball as opposed to letting him improvise, run around with it, make plays that way, he's not as effective as a quarterback. The You look at DeAndre Francois, or Francois, if you prefer, for Florida State, he's a in-the-pocket quarterback. Can he scramble if he has to? Yes, but he doesn't prefer to. He wants to stand in there and deliver the football. And he's got an emerging group of receivers that can do it. Murray, McKitty, Terry, that offense hasn't been cranking the way that they wanted to this year, but they have the weapons. At some point, though, the light bulb's going to come on. Now, they're implementing what they call the Gulf Coast offense at Florida State. This is a vastly different approach than what Jimbo Fisher had at Florida State. Willie Taggart is trying to put in this system with these players. Cam Akers, who torched Syracuse a year ago, has not seen the end zone yet, but is certainly a player who's capable of making some big plays in some big spots. Their kicking game has been pretty bad this year, considering the the lineage to which Florida State has in the name kicking there, Ricky Aguayo. He's one for four this year. So there's a lot of little things to me that are adding up that favor Syracuse. But I'm wondering who plays the adjustment game better. Because Florida State certainly has the defensive line to at least annoy Eric Dungy, throw him off his game, and make him have to stand in the pocket and make tough throws. 
Because I think some of that, let me linger. See, one of the things we've seen so far, and it's early and it's only a couple of games, but why the offensive line has had the success it has with Eric Dungy in the game versus, and this is a limited scope, mind you, but when Tommy DeVito's been in, this offensive line has to pass protect two or three seconds longer. And Has he had the full first line? No. They've been mixing in guys. He's getting in late in games, and there's some second-teamers in there. It's not like the true left-to-right first-team offensive line for the Orange. But when Tommy's in the game, it's a different style. It's a different philosophy. It's a different approach. That offensive line knows that Eric Dungy is going to quickly read the field, and he's going to take off and run if it's not there. What if this line, who has gotten a lot of credit this year, and they got the hippos now, and they've got the size, they passed the look test, right? They're deep in the trenches. My question in this game, my big question, is when they've got to stand in there and a second in college football makes all the difference in the world. Because Dungy still doesn't have the chemistry with the receivers that you would want. He doesn't know who his number one is. He's got some options. He's got some talent. He makes his receivers better. But he's still, when it, when, man, you got a Florida State linebacker bearing down on you. You know you're going to take the hit. You got to make the throw. Who's the guy you trust? Does he have that guy? I don't know if he does. He's got some good candidates for it, but I don't know if he's got it yet. So, I'm still confident Syracuse will win this game. I'm confident we're going to get a back-and-forth game. I'm confident we're going to get an entertaining game. I think Florida State will play better than they have because they just have to eventually. Their back's up against the wall a little bit. They're being told how bad they are. They're being told all sorts of things. They're feeling the pressure from the fans. They'll snap out of it eventually. Willie Taggart teams do that. Takes a little longer for some than others. This is only game three. But Willie Taggart's taking on a team that's got a heck of a lot more talent than the South Florida team he had, at least initially. He built that up and had some terrific players there. Certainly had a lot of talent at Oregon, too. He's got some at Florida State. 437-7644, that's the phone number. Brent Dax Media on Twitter is the text line. So we will uh, continue to break that down. We will talk some basketball coming up. Yes, hoops. The schedule is out today. So we will get into that. We'll hear from Dino Babers. We'll hear from Julian Wiggum. we got a lot to do. But uh, as we've been telling you, now we weren't here yesterday, so if you haven't heard uh, earlier in the week, one of our great new segments that we're doing right about this time, our good friend Lee Baldwin from Lee Baldwin and Company hops on. We get uh, all the investment advice and news and notes that we need. It's time for Diamonds and Dogs, and Lee is back to deliver the goods. How you doing, sir? Hey, X-Men, how are you? I am great. I missed you yesterday. What, was it a Mets game yeah, or something? Yeah, the Mets. It was my birthday, too, though. So, oh, happy birthday. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You got a hot stock tip for me for my I, birthday? I do. Diamonds well, and dogs. There you go, it. baby. Well, here we go. Stocks were stronger uh, across the board today, the best day of the month so far. So we can uh, put that in the bank. Our diamond for the day, probably for the year and the decade, was Apple, which rose 4 dollars 5 per share today which is makes it up over 30% for the year. Just think, X-Men, uh, your daughter can get a new phone for about $1,100. Whoa, is she that it? $1,100. <laughs> that, for $1,100, I think better launch the space shuttle. Are you kidding <laughs> no me? Kidding. Holy cow. Uh, That's nuts. <laughs> 
But anyway, I, I might buy the stock instead of the phone. So, yes, there you uh, go. Our dog is not as exciting as a phone. They just sell food. Kroger's, the largest supermarket chain in the country, was down three bucks on slightly lower sales. Uh, we're just waiting until Amazon figures out how to sell milk and then look out below <laughs> for that one. So that's all I have for you. So, so uh, this, I got a question for you, Lee. Typically, when Apple does these big presentations and they put out the new iPhone, have you seen in the past, does that typically see us a rise in their stock price? Uh, you get a little, usually you rise into it, but it, and it's double, double top secret. And they're, and when they do the initial, you know, they throw it out there with the new products, three phones this year with the highest one, the max, like almost 1100 bucks. But, uh, um, so you usually see a rise into it. Actually stock was down yesterday and then, uh, came right back today and it's within earshot of its all time high. And it is the first trillion dollar company. Wild, isn't it? Unbelievable. Lee, thank you, my friend. We'll uh, talk to you again tomorrow. Get the, the diamonds and the dogs heading into the weekend. You got it. Thanks, Brent. Fantastic, sir. Lee Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. LeeBaldwin.com. Check out the website, offices in Casanova and Utica. He's my man. We will break on that note. We will come back. Hoops! We got hoops! We got a, a schedule to go through. Oh, baby, that ACC slate, as you know, always tough. We'll look at some of the key runs for the Orange once they cross over into league play. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It is presented by our friends at Onondaga County Community College and their workforce development program. You can learn the skills that local employers need in just two to eight months. You can find more info at sunyocc.edu slash workforce. Oh, hoopy hoopy hoopies. We have a schedule, kids. We're in the throes of football, big matchup at the Dome coming out that we'll discuss with both Julian Wiggum and Dino Babers in the next hour of the show. But let's get a little hoops fix here. So it is out. Just to reiterate, the non-conference slate, which we knew, we don't have all the uh, dates. Oh, we have the dates, pardon me. We don't have all the times and TV for this. But just to go through the non-conference slate again quickly, what sets up the ACC. So the Orange will open up November the 6th against Eastern Washington. After two exhibition games, one against St. Rose on October 25th, and then Halloween night, the Orange play Lemoyne in an exhibition. They open the season November 6th at the Dome against Eastern Washington, followed by Moorhead State. And then the 2K Classic at MSG, Thursday the 15th against UConn, Friday the 16th against either Oregon or Iowa, and then, of course, the big football game that weekend against Notre Dame. So a big New York City weekend upcoming for SU Hoops and Basketball from the 15th to the 17th. That is the weekend right before Thanksgiving. You get Colgate at the Dome on the 21st, the ACC Big Ten Challenge November 28th at Ohio State, and then your December Dome slate goes Cornell December 1st, Northeastern December 4th, Georgetown December the 8th, Old Dominion on the 15th, Buffalo on the 18th, Arkansas State on the 22nd, St. Bonaventure on the 29th. So what Syracuse has done, at least seemingly on paper, is put together a non-conference slate that's got a good mix of old Big East rivals, a slate that will appease the selection committee and seems to fit in with the new quadrant system and what you need to attain there. And I love the regional aspect of not only the traditional Colgate-Cornell matchups, but Buffalo, which was a terrific game a year ago, and that's been a great team, tournament team the last couple of years, and renewing that rivalry with St. Bonaventure. And St. Bonaventure will close out non-conference play. The ACC slate out today, we'll go over it briefly, I haven't seen it, 
At Notre Dame, Saturday, January the 5th, is the Orange's ACC opener. They will then uh, host Clemson on Wednesday, January the 9th. That's an 8 o'clock tip time there. Look, Clemson, 25-10 and 10 a year ago. Sweet 16 team a year ago where they lost to Kansas. Remember, Syracuse beat Clemson in the regular season finale at the Dome. Three-point win, 55-52. to 52. Syracuse then gets Georgia Tech into the Dome. Georgia Tech pretty bad last year, 13 and 19, 6 and 12 in conference play. Josh Akogi, Ben Lammers are gone from that team, so we'll see if uh, Josh Pastner can get them back on track. Boom. Early in the ACC slate at Duke, Monday, January 14th. That's either going to be ESPN or ESPNU. I would imagine that's going to be a big Monday game if things go the way they go for Syracuse, things go the way they do for Duke. Duke is Duke. Duke is loaded. They have the top three recruits in the country coming into what's already, you know, Duke. So that's your ACC first big, how can I put this? If Syracuse can go to Duke, win at Cameron. Remember, this is a Syracuse team with a return of Tyus Battle, the incoming players, all five starters back, that is making its way into some top 15 projections. And if they hold serve and are as good as we anticipate them to be at this point, this could be that first kind of red flag up in the air that Syracuse is a contender. Because it's right around here where people really start paying attention to college basketball. The start of conference play, those big Monday games start showing up on your TV. This could be that first shot across the bow that the Orange mean business. Then you get Pitt on January the 19th. It's one of four home and away opponents for Syracuse this year. Uh, Pitt was just flat-out awful a year ago. We'll see if they're any better. Miami on January the 24th. Then Syracuse goes to Virginia Tech, never an easy place to play. They beat Virginia Tech at the Dome last year. Buzz Williams gets a lot of key players back from a squad that went 21-12. and 12. They were 10-8 and eight in conference play a year ago. Justin Robinson, Chris Clark, Kerry Blackshear, along with uh, Nikelli Alexander-Walker. Virginia Tech's one of those sneaky sleeper teams in the ACC. The Orange will close out January at Boston College. Now, remember, Syracuse lost there a year ago, 85-70. to 70. BC finished 19-16. and 16. Now we're into February at Pitt, Saturday, February the 2nd. Jeff Capel has replaced Kevin Stallings there. Capel took over a team, as we mentioned, Pitt 0-18 in the ACC last year, 8-24 overall. Where have you gone, Pitt basketball? Then Syracuse will host Florida State at the Dome. Boston College on Saturday, February the 9th. They go to NC State a few days later on February the 13th. Now we got a stretch here. Not that some of these ACC games aren't as tough as you think they can be. Upsets brewing there. Every game's a gauntlet. But here's a little run that could really sway how things go in ACC play for Syracuse. Louisville at the Dome, Wednesday the 20th, already slated as an ESPN game. Chris Mack takes over for David Padgett, the former Xavier coach. Louisville... 22 and 13, 9 and 9 a year ago. After all that turmoil, Rick Patino fired. It's still got one of the best arenas, best facilities, best 
Athletic departments in terms of resources available, they've had a bit of an upheaval with Tom Jurich being fired and everything, but that's a great hire for Louisville when things settle down to bring in Chris Mack. I'll be very curious to see how good they are. Then you get Duke, the big home game everybody's waiting for, Saturday, February 23rd. It's either going to be ESPN or ESPN2. We know that. it's prob- They say 6 or 8 o'clock. That's a primetime game, and we all know it's going to be. Syracuse is 2-1 and one overall at the Dome against Duke, and some of the best games in Syracuse basketball history have resulted in it. 91-89 overtime in the 2014 season, and then John Gillen's buzzer beater in the 16-17 season, 78-75. Let's see if we get another classic at the Dome this year. That's followed up by a trip to North Carolina. Now, it's not a Saturday-Monday turnaround, but it's a quick one because it's a Saturday-Tuesday turnaround. They go to Carolina Tuesday the 26th. Syracuse has never beaten the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. Then they finish out the season this way. At Wake Forest on March the 2nd, that's a Saturday. Then how about this? Monday, March 4th, already slated as the big Monday game on ESPN at 7 o'clock. Syracuse and Virginia. Look, Virginia, 17-1 in conference play, but we all remember what happened. The first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Maryland, Baltimore County knocks down the Cavs. They bring back Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, all-ACC freshman team ender DeAndre Hunter moves into the starting lineup this year. Virginia swept Syracuse a year ago, winning in both Charlottesville and the Dome. This is the only Syracuse-Virginia matchup. I know it's last year. You turn the page. They've got a lot of talent there, but being the first number one seed to lose, that that will never, not only will it never leave you historically, but what's the short term of that? Do they get fired up and motivated and try and move on from that and prove how good they can be? Or is that something that could just linger an entire season? Tony Bennett's a great coach. They'll find a way to turn the page on that, but they will be reminded of that at every turn. And then Syracuse will close out ACC regular season play at Clemson on Saturday, March the 9th. So big big senior night, big home game to end the season in terms of the home slate, and then to end the ACC schedule at Clemson Saturday, March the 9th. So there you go. So look, here's what we got. A great mix of non-conference teams that harken back to old rivalries, interesting games, and satisfies what you need to in terms of the quadrant system, at least on paper. Duke early to kind of send a message that maybe Syracuse means business. I mean, beating Duke is going to be... I do not kid when I say this. Duke could go undefeated. They'll probably lose a game or two along the way because that's just what happens, but that team could go undefeated. And then you finish out Louisville, Duke, Carolina, and then Big Monday against Virginia. There you go, kids. Before you know it, it'll be here. First exhibition game, October 25th at the Dome. We'll break on that note. We've got hot takes to come. We've got Dino Babers to come. About an hour from now, Julian Wiggum's going to hang in studio. Coming up top of the hour, talk some Syracuse football. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. It is presented by Burdick Toyota. We're back after this.